0: If you would, please turn your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I'd like to begin to read in uh, verse 10 on down. Before I start reading, I, uh, as I said, I've been watching. I know you all have too, keeping up with this killings out there in Texas. And and, it, and as they're talking about it, the news people are talking about it. They mention all the rest of some of the some of the great tragedies that's been happening in our country lately. And everybody says, why? It all comes down to why is this happening or what makes people do these things. And I I just... I think people don't understand that the devil is still working. The devil is still alive. And uh, when he's still at his work. He wants to destroy human beings. And if he can't take your soul from you, if you're saved by the grace of God, and he knows he can't take your soul from you, but he'll do everything else in the world to ruin your life. And as I watch some of these people, and and I don't know if the commentators are saved or lost, I don't know anything about them, but as they make uh, statements... You listen to them, they, they just don't understand that we're in a warfare. And we're in a warfare with the devil. And we will be till Jesus comes back. And I think that people don't understand the doctrine of the devil. Now doctrinal truths in the Bible is what determines your salvation. For instance, it's a doctrinal truth that Jesus Christ is virgin born. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, there is no salvation for you. And you, you go on and on. There's doctrinal truths taught in the Bible. And those, those doctrinal truths determine your salvation. Such as Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood is no remission. And that's a doctrinal truth. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins and nothing else. And if you don't understand that and you don't under, believe that, you have no salvation. Well, it's a doctrine of truth that there is a live devil. And you take the word of God, you ain't got to take my word for it. and You take the word of God for it. Now, listen to what it says here, beginning in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the old armor of God Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and have it on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us to understand tonight who we're fighting. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting one another. We're not fighting a system, an evil system. We're fighting the devil himself. And I pray, dear God, that you'll help us to understand that and then know how to fight him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the reasons that I believe in winning people to Christ is soon as they come to the knowledge of evil, and good and evil, is because just, just all those little children getting saved. And I was praying and thinking about it. That I pray to God that those kids got led to the war. Amen? But you think about it. If they knew right from wrong, uh, many of them went to hell. If they didn't accept Christ as Savior. But... If they didn't know right from wrong, and they were just little children with a children's little mind, they're covered under the grace of God. And they're in heaven. I wonder how many of those parents that had little children, they in heaven, those parents have never known Christ themselves. Now, what we got to understand is, the devil is after you, he's after your husband, your wife, your kids, your family. He wants to destroy you. Now, the question is asked, does Satan really exist? Now, if any common sense person would just be reasonable and look around today, they could not deny an evil influence on mankind. If you believe the Bible, we do, then you cannot deny the existence of Satan. The evidence of the existence of Satan is found in at least seven Old Testament books and referred to by every New Testament writer. Christ Himself says Satan exists. Matthew 13, verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Luke 10, verse 18. And He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And Luke 11, verse 18. If Satan also be... Divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. So, well, the only reason I read that verse, I want you to understand that Jesus himself believes in Satan. Now, what is Satan like? Number one, he possesses intellect. In Second Corinthians 11, verse 13. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguile Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That verse tells us that he has intellect, that is, he goes around beguiling people, tricking people into believing a lie. He possesses emotion in Revelation 12 verse 17. And the dragon was wrought with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the Satan can get mad. He has emotions. He possesses a will in Second 2 Timothy 2.26 and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, besides all this, he is treated by God as a morally responsible person. Not a thing. He's a person. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the right left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. So he's referred to as his not a thing. He is a person. Satan is a real personality. Satan is a creature, not the Creator. Ezekiel 28, verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou uh, was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. God set him so. Therefore, he does not possess attributes which God possesses alone. In other words, Satan possesses creatively limitations. It's just like me and you. Uh, We're limited. Uh, I can't fly. I tried it one time, jumping off of a barn, and the ground hit pretty fast. I can't fly. Amen? Amen. Now, God made me that way. God put me to limitations. I can't live underwater. And you could go on and on. We're, we have limitations on us. So does Satan. He is a created being. He's not the creator. He's not greater than God. He's not even as good as God. And so Job 1 and verse 12 said, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. Only upon himself, but not thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. In other words, God says he has power, but he don't have all power. God set limbs on him. He can only do what God lets him do. Uh, thirdly, he is a spirit being. He belonged to the order of angels called cherubim. Go with me now to Ezekiel. And let me read you something. Beginning in, in chapter 28, I want to read down through verse 12, uh, down through verse 15. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering the sardis, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the ox, the jasper, the sardis, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherubim that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stone of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Notice God said He created Satan and He created him perfect. So He did not create him create him as the devil. Somebody said, If God hates the devil so and God's going to treat the devil so and put him in the lake of fire, why did He ever make him in the first place? He didn't. He made the perfect angel in heaven. But he he fell from heaven, and he became Satan. Now, he's called the prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Number one, he's perfect in beauty. Somebody's got the idea that Satan runs around with a red suit on and horns and a long tail and so on. No, he's not. He's the most beautiful thing on the face of this earth. And, And he's a beautiful created being. And you think about that for just a minute. He's called a prince, the power of the air. That means he's at work all the time. We can't see him, but he's busy. He's an agnostic of God and his people. <coughs> the very name Satan means adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know what that simply means? The devil is at work following people around all the time. He's after somebody. And he'll get somebody sooner or later. Uh, Again, Revelation 12 verse 10 says he is the accuser. That means he goes before the Father in heaven every day accusing people. In 1 John 5 verse 8, calls him the wicked one. And First Thessalonians 3.5 called him the tempter. In John 8 verse 44 called him murderer and liar. In 1 John 3.8 called him a sinner from the beginning. And in order to provoke the, this opposition, Satan can appear like a wily serpent, Revelation 12 verse 9, or a ferocious dragon, Revelation 12 verse 3 or an attractive angel of light. Second Corinthians 11 verse 14. These abilities make him more deceptive in carrying out his program. In other words, he can appear to whatever appear you, appears to you as good. Uh, that's the reason you, that I tell people all the time. Just because a man walks around with a Bible on his arm, you better listen to what he's saying and what he's preaching. Just because he called himself a preacher, just because a church, you go by a church and somebody's got a church building and they got a name on it and they call it a church, they say, well, that's a church, but a church of what? And that's what you got to be very careful about. If everything doesn't line up with the Bible perfectly, then it's wrong. And you got to remember that. Satan uses God's Word all the time. What was Satan's sin? Now notice, Satan's sin was done from a privileged position. He was not a depraved creature who did not know the blessings of God before he sinned. Ezekiel 28, verse 11 through 15 said he was the most perfect being that God ever created. In these verses, Ezekiel sees the work of an activity of Satan, whom the king of Tyre was demonstrating in so many ways. Satan's privileges included a full measure of wisdom. Verse 12. And Ezekiel 28. His privileges include perfect in beauty. You think about that. You think of something that's beautiful. The Bible said he was perfect in beauty. He was dazzling in appearance. Verse 13. A place of special prominence as the anointed cherubim that covered God's throne. in Verse 14 until iniquity was found in him. You know what his sin was? His sin was, if you'll study it, he said, I will be. I will be like God. I will be. Over and over. That's what Satan said. No, you won't. God will make you what He wants you to be, but you you don't will what you want to be. Furthermore, God did not make him sin. He sinned of his own volition and assume full responsibility for that sin, and because of his great privileges, it is obvious that Satan sinned with full knowledge. Satan's sin was pride. 1 Timothy 3 verse 6, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, the specific details of how the pride that pride erupted are given in Isaiah 14, verses 13 to 14. And they're summed up in these words, I will be like the Most High God, or the Most High. Now, how Satan has been judged, and how he will be judged. There are at least six judgments which Satan has experienced and will experience. Number one, he was barred from his original privilege position in heaven. Ezekiel 28, verse 16. He was thrown out of heaven. He was judged and cursed, uh, a curse placed on him in the Garden of Eden at the temptation of Adam and Eve, Genesis 3. The central judgment, because his basis of all others was the cross of Calvary in John 12, verse 31. He will be barred from all access to heaven during the tribulation period. Revelation 12, verse 13. At the beginning of the millennium, he will be confined to the abyss. That's Revelation 20, verse 2. At the conclusion of the millennium, he will be cast in the lake of fire for all eternity. Revelation 20, verse 10. Now, what does Satan do? Satan's purpose is to toward, is toward the plan of God in every area and be by every means possible. He's to accomplish this in promoting a world system which he is the head and which stands in opposition to God and his rule in this universe. But instead of promoting a kingdom whose characteristics are exactly opposite to the future of God's rule, uh, he seeks to counterfeit God's program. In counterfeiting, He has a single purpose. That is, to create something as similar to the original as possible and to do it by means of shortcuts. Did you know that the Bible says God is one God in three people? Now watch this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Satan is a personality in three. There's the antichrist, there's Satan, and there's the devil. Now, in relation to the redemption of Christ, Satan tried uh, in the temptation to offer him rewards of redemption without the sufferings of the cross. Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Satan said, You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give you everything that God will give you, and you don't have to die on the cross. Did you know that's exactly how he gets people today? He don't want you to suffer today, he don't want you to go through trials and tribulations today. But God said trials and tribulations are good for you. You learn through trials and tribulations. And the Satan said, you don't have to do that. I'll, I'll give you everything in the world if you bow down and worship me. Now in relation to notions of the world, nations of the world, Satan has been and is deceiving them, particularly into thinking they can do what God alone can do. Revelation 20 verse 3, at the close of the tribulation period, he will gather them together to the battle of Armageddon. Now you think about that. This one person is going to gather all the nations together at that great battle. In relation to unbelievers, Satan blinds their minds so that they will not accept the gospel. In Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4, the devil does this often by making them think that any way to heaven is as good as any other. There was a lady I was talking to just last week, and uh, they was asking me, do you listen to uh, MacArthur? I said, yes, I do. And they were bragging on John MacArthur out there, I believe in California. But he's a great preacher. I mean, he's he's a man I like to listen to. But several years ago, John MacArthur wrote a book and he said that the, the death, the blood of Jesus Christ was not necessary for salvation of the soul. And in that book he said that the death of Christ is what saves a person. The life and the death of Christ what saved. Not the blood is necessary for salvation. And he wrote a whole book about it. But then he repented of that and recanted of that and found out in the Bible Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Now you can kill a person without shedding of blood, but the Bible says without the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ there is no remission. It's not the life of Christ, it's not the uh, the death of Christ that saves a soul, it's the blood of Christ that saves a soul. And so the devil can deceive anybody. You think about this. As great a preacher as that man is today, and as great a preacher as he was, he deceived him into believing a lie and wrote a whole book about it. And think of all the people that was deceived when they read that book. And many, many read that book. And so the devil can deceive anybody. And what we got to understand is, uh, if you want to fight the devil, you better not fight him. You better send Jesus to fight him. That. One, of, one of my favorite things to live by is what Brother Roloff said in a sermon one time. He said, Any time the devil comes knocking on your heart's door saying, Jesus, to answer it. You think about that. Any time the devil comes knocking on your door saying, Jesus, to answer it, and he will flee. Amen? You don't fight the devil. He's greater than you are. He's stronger than you are. He will deceive you. And any time you are be tempted to do against the Bible and against God, you plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask Jesus to take care of it. You know what James said? And I'm through. but I want you to think about this. James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I've used this illustration many times in preaching, but I'll I'll say it one more time. I used to have two big magnets in my my desk drawer. And those things, if you turn them the right way, they'll they'll suck one another together. Just bam, and you can't already get them apart. But if you turn them around, they'll push one another apart. That's resistance. And the Bible says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What does that mean? That means that every time that the devil come knocking on your door to do something wrong or to think something wrong, then you're to send the Lord Jesus Christ and resist Him and say, Lord, You take care of it. I can't handle this. And the Bible said He will take care of it. And He will flee from you. Now, every once in a while, the old devil come knocking on my door and he wants to put doubts in my mind of all kinds of things in the world. I'm so glad that I settled some things. Once and for all, in my mind, the devil can't ever make me unless I lose my mind. And I and I know he's powerful, but as long as I got my right mind, he'll never make me not believe this is the word of God. He'll never make me believe that Jesus is not the Son of God. He's not going to do that because I settled that. I settled the way of salvation. I settled the way to fight the devil. I settled some things in my mind, and I will not doubt those things. That's the reason I know I'm saved. I settled it a long time ago. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I ask myself, do you believe? Yes, I do. I believe Jesus is the Christ. He came in this world to die for my sin. And Jesus said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. That's settled in. I don't go back there. And the devil ain't going to make me change my mind about that. You know why? Every time the devil comes by and makes me start doubting or puts thoughts in my mind or whatever is going on, I quote Scripture to him, Just like Jesus did. When Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus quoted the Scripture to him. And that's how you fight the devil. And if people would learn that, then you get, you learn it. Do you know what the Bible says? There is no good person in this world. Think about that for just a minute. Now the Bible says that over and over and over again. There is no good person in this world. Jesus comes in our hearts and makes us good. If there's any goodness in me whatsoever, it's Jesus anything remember when they come and say, good master remember when they said that to jesus he said why do you call me good there's none good but god and we got to understand something if anything is going to be good in you it's going to have to come from the lord because we look at the people we look at things going on in this country and across the world right now and we see the evil and you got to remember something. There is no good people out there without the Lord Jesus. Now our problem is that we're not to demonstrate go out on the corner and demonstrate against everything in the world. You know what our job is? Jesus said, I came into this world to save sinners. Why is that the number one thing? Because when you get somebody saved by the grace of God and they truly get born again, Jesus changes them. You want to change what's going on in our school? You want to change what's going on in our marriage? You want to go change what's going on in our homes? Lead people to saving faith in Christ then. That's what changes. And nothing else. Stand with me please. Lord, we know we fight a live deal every day of our life. But Lord, you said, Great is he that is in us than he is in the world. That means, Lord, the Holy Spirit is greater than the devil. And we are the victors. And the devil knows it. And he knows he ain't got long. That's why he's fighting so openly today. We can see his handiwork. Bless us, dear God, and be with us continually, we pray from day to day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. All right, I'll come around this way. I'll pull off the platform, but I'll.